What do we have? So very a lot of people don't ever know what to do with chocolate covered bacon. And it's one of our desserts. And so it's homemade marshmallows. I know what the fuck to do with it. Eat it. Welcome to the Lofty Conversations podcast. I'm Scott, along with Rachel. What's up? How you doing? I'm good. So we, we've got some things real quick to cover on this episode before we get started. We're in a new space. We, the loft is, at least for the time being, we, we made have, a move. We have retired the loft. We have retired the loft, yeah. But 86 we, loft. Yep. We got a fresh new space, though. Uh, we're getting acquainted with it. We're pretty excited about it, though. I'm pretty stoked about how it's coming together. It's going to take some time. And the other thing is, we have a fresh, brand new website. Loftyconversations.com is live. If you go there, you know what you can find? You can find all of our episodes. You can subscribe if you want. Are you subscribed? I'm subscribed. Okay. You got to make sure. Do you Spotify and Apple? Dude, don't put me on the spot you like this. You should do it. You got to do it. Everybody. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm subscribed to both. But I'm. I checked. I'm not an internet <laughs> savant. So. So go to loftyconversations.com. You can subscribe. You can check out backgrounders on everyone we have. You can interact. You can send us hate mail. Whatever you want to do. Oh, I like hate mail. Hate mail's Bring great. It. We love it. Loftyconversations.com. We're also on Instagram. I don't think Instagram is the biggest uh, audio platform, but we're there. Instagram Lofty Conversations. Today, I'm stoked about this one. We have Chef Justin Beckett with us. How you doing, man? I am fantastic. Happy to be here. So I, the reason that I found out about you is I went to, I guess it was a couple years ago now, um, I went over to Beckett's table and I had a really phenomenal piece of salmon. And it's tough I don't to know, get out here in Arizona, just it, FYI. It is, it is. A, a good piece of salmon's tough to come <laughs> it, by. It, so. it for sure is. Um, and I, I was like, this is great. I love the atmosphere. And when we started this thing, we were trying to think about, you know, the whole premise is people, things and industries that we don't really know anything about. And I love food, but I don't know shit about cooking food. I mean, I know shit about cooking food in my own house. But as far as being a chef, No. And so I kind of threw out uh, a Hail Mary. I didn't know what you'd say. I just started one night. I started spamming people that I thought would be fun. <laughs> and How many deep was I? Was I like number 20 no, or No, you were literally like... <laughs> you were number one. Two or three, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, uh, were, you were definitely up there because yeah. once he was spamming, he was then spamming me via text, oh, yeah. being like, look what I got, look, what, look what's happening. Well, she helps me coordinate. So whenever I... Because all those messages went out via my personal account. Okay. So... Uh, when they would come in, I would just send her a screenshot of like, here's what we do. Here's what we got to follow up, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's how we got a hold of you and you agreed. And we're so gracious that you're here. What I want to do to start out is we have some time here to talk about all of the non-standard things, Justin Beckett, because you've got some really great accolades. You do a lot of great stuff for the community that people know and see. And we want to talk about some stuff outside that that maybe mm -hmm. you don't get the time. Yeah, uh, we were chatting a little bit before this, and you talked about how a lot of times you your interviews can be kind of standard and and par for the course, and and we want to get past that. But what I want to do real quick for our listeners that might not know you, 
Oh, that's Abraham. He's cozied <laughs> up to Justin. Abraham is a fixture on the show. People people like him. Um, I used to really try to corral him, and people were like, more Abe sounds. Um, but give me kind of the 30-second download on you. On If, if you're elevator pitching us, uh, what's kind of a brief backgrounder on you that, that people should or could know? Well, you know, for me, it was it was food was never an option. Yeah. I mean, I know that sounds stupid to say, right? Because everyone's got to eat. But um, I, my dad's Italian, and my mom's a pastry was a pastry chef, and for me, it was like oldest of five. So it was, you know, we were constantly either cleaning up or making food. And um, you know, in eighth grade, I had my first cooking job, and or, or you know, actually a dishwashing. And yeah. my I first just, job was dishwashing too. Yeah, and. And there's something about the restaurant that immediately just latched into my soul. And it was like, you know, the the chefs getting slammed, listening to Elvis Costello, the, you know, the cute cocktail waitresses coming back and hiking up their skirt to adjust their patty hose. And Where was that first job at? What, what Casanova's city? in Makawao, up country on Maui. So, um, and it's still there. My, my uncle and aunt were there last month and they said, we went to Casanova's for dinner. And I'm like, that's like damn near 40 years old. Yeah. I mean... You know, so are the girls still hiking up their pantyhose? Well, just, just that's, ask it. That's just ask how it. old it was, right? <laughs> yeah. Because pantyhose. Do people wear pantyhose? I don't know. Um, but, but I, I think I'm the sure reason, Haynes makes sure people listen, still wear pantyhose. Yeah, <laughs> your girl though, she does not. So I can't <laughs> yeah. speak for anybody else but myself there. But you know, I, I and I bring that up and go into detail about that because I feel like you know people ask me who I am or what my deal is, and and so much of my life and so much of who I am revolves around preparing and making food and feeding people. And, and so I kind of latched on to this, um, you know, family around a dinner table, you know, it's just kind of a vision board kind of thing. And for me, uh, I don't get to spend enough time with my family at home, but the whole mission behind the restaurant was to really, you know, create this gathering spot for people. And, and, um, and I feel like so much of my life has been about, um, uh, being a place for people to come, you know, how, how I treat my friends is I'm available. I listen, I, I try to, you know, give good advice. My family is, is all over the U S and, you know, I feel like I'm kind of a grounding feature of that. And I kind of, you know, participate in that way. And, and then, you know, growing up and creating your own family and, and doing all that, that's, that's interesting too. That's a whole new dynamic that, you know, of course, when I was 20, I was like, <laughs> kids, yeah. ah, wife, that's funny. But, but, you know, I, I grew up in a large family. We traveled a ton. Uh, my parents were hippies, and we just, you know, from Canada to Guatemala, California, you know, uh, Hawaii. And, and for me, it was just always about kind of leading and finding a way and, and, and you know, creating. And I went to alternative education, and it was never about, you know, read chapters two and three and report, um, you know, submit online and report this thing. It was... It was um, Let's talk for the next six weeks. Let's talk about the concept of, of Greek mythology and 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 how that influences people, even though they don't know it. And and when you finally come up with some good research and some strategies and some thought processes, why don't you write it by hand in calligraphy in a book and then sew the book binding and then um, you know shade it with colored pencils and 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 present it with with an artful costume you know so it was yeah. like it was never you know <laughs> where's the school i like this yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. never you know bell rings period three go you know it was yeah. it was definitely different so i i attribute so much of of who i am obviously to so many people that have given me incredible gifts throughout life but also 
just this kind of just slightly different way, you know, hey, turn that 14 degrees left and see what it says to you. So I don't think I answered your question directly, but I just kind of ranted. No, for five I think minutes, that's so. perfect. I, I, I want to get kind of to and through the evolution of, of how you got, because I think a lot of people that either hear of you first or, or kind of know of you around town, they probably hear, um, oh, Chef Beckett, he's done Food Network, he's done all this stuff, and that's, that's probably a lot of surface-level stuff, but what, what's the evolution to getting there? What was that, I guess, kind of right before that sprung off? And then when you got there, what was that like? And how did that make you feel? These are kind of a lot of you know, questions that button up together, but is that a validator in the industry? Is that a personal validator for you? Well, I think, I think you kind of have to back up a little bit actually. So when, when I went to culinary school, when I decided that the mission was going to hundred percent be culinary, um, I think you sit there in class and you're like, my goal, the end all be all is to have my own restaurant. And, <laughs> and, uh, for me, it's, it's a hey pup hey pup i used to it's try about to getting really, a dog you know yeah. i used to try to cut this stuff out but people really love it to be yeah he, he's actually the star he is a star he thinks he is well i think it's i think it's it's really important to to know that for me um my goal doesn't matter what accolades i get so, so for instance, if I'm, if I want to grow up and be a tremendous chef and, and have a great restaurant, all that takes is people appreciating it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, you know, the food network needs to call me a chef. It doesn't mean I need to win an award. It doesn't mean any of that, but, but all those things really help because general Joe public is led by food network. You yeah. know, I mean, how many people come up to me and they're like, Oh, you were on food network. Right. You were on chopped. Like. Like, oh, you must be really good. Like, how, how did, you know. For us of us losers that can't cook like me but still watch Chopped. Is that what you were on? Well, were you ever well on I'm not going to call you a loser. You know, I loser. barely know you yet. But, uh, um, <laughs> You'll get there. But listen, but yeah, like, I'm going to skip young. that whole yeah, part. I'm a, a loser. <laughs> no, but I, I, think, I think it's always funny how, um, you know, the, the Food Network wasn't around when I went to culinary school. Right. I mean, I graduated culinary school in 95 and... You know, my goal was to to get a job that paid eight bucks an hour. That was like sweet. So when you do that and you go through that and you work hard, I mean, every every profession is going to tell you they have you know the shitty end of the stick on on some part of it. But um, I think you go you go through it and you get your hands dirty and you learn and you're like, there's so much about starting a profession that is a sponge that you know culinary school is a fantastic foundation. Yeah. But you don't learn shit till you get right. in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. You just get wrecked that first. How old time. were you when you when you really started to get in there and, and work as a cook? So I graduated um high school at nineteen. Four days later I was in culinary school. A year and a half later I got my first job. Um, but all through culinary school, I was volunteering and working at the school. So, um, the school did morning blocks, you know, seven to three, and then they flipped over and did like four to, you know, four to nine. Where was that school at? California Culinary Academy in San Francisco. And, um, as soon as I got out of class, whether it be morning or night, you know, before or after I would stay and be quote unquote, a sous chef and help the teachers with the new students. And, uh, what I loved about that was it was like reinforcement. So whatever I learned in the morning, I would show off at night and vice versa. And then, you know, there were kids coming in who, who had been in the industry for years and, and taught me on top of what I just picked up. So that was really cool. But um, 
I remember, and I don't know if I've ever said this to anybody, but I remember after graduating, getting this job because a friend knew somebody at this restaurant. It was uh, Roy's at the Inn at Spanish Bay, which is down at Pebble Beach, which yeah, is yeah. one of the most beautiful places yeah. on earth. I mean, except for North Carolina, of course. I've you been know? to the yeah, Concord. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm from Boston. Yeah. Wait, oh, except for, Bo- yeah, yeah. Fenway is <laughs> the most beautiful like, place on. on earth. Yeah, sorry. Um, but... But I remember the night before I was going to pack up my little VW and put all six of my belongings and move down there and start a job. Hang on, pause. What kind of VW was it? It was a Volkswagen Cabriolet. We're a, Vol- we're a Volkswagen fan. My mom, uh, she had a Carmen Ghia. We've had <sighs> several bugs. Yeah. This is my, I'm currently on my sixth uh, Volkswagen. What are, you, what are you driving now? I have a Golf R. Ooh. Yeah. All wheel drive. Oh, so Ooh, good. Yeah, that's a good one. They called me the other day. They want to sell me a different one. And I'm like, you don't of understand. Like, no, no, I'm no. never getting rid of this car, <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I said, Michelle, I told Michelle, I said, this is going to be great since the timing is going to be perfect. This is going to be his first car driving to uh, high school. Yeah. And he's going to be like, people are going to freak out. He, I wonder when he, how old is he? He's 12 now. So I wonder, my, what I wonder is, by the time he gets there, if hot hatches will still be cool the way they are now. They better be. Hell yeah. But also... Uh, that's that's a pretty badass car to start off right as, as, yeah she's I, like no nah, there's too much power like you're gonna kill him and i'm like yeah. no it's he's perfect it's yeah. great hey. you gotta all-wheel drive well, here's, here's how if you i give it up. to them early they know right. what to do with it okay i drove yeah, yeah. a volvo <laughs> and i'm gonna tell you what the first time i got a car that just had a little bit of gas Uh-oh. i was like see ya ticket ticket yeah. ticket yeah i how, how old were you when you learned to drive stick do you remember Oh, that's a whole nother story. Okay, so, um, <laughs> well, here, let me finish my thought with, yeah, yeah, um, I, I feel like this next couple hours is going to be a lot of this, but, um, <laughs> so I remember my mom was visiting where I was staying with my uncle before I le- you know, when I graduated coloring school, and I re- remember waking up from this, you know, sweat nightmare and literally going out to the couch and just, like, lying next to her because it was, like, such a big step for me to... I mean, I'd always had support. I'd always lived with family. Um, but I also rented my own house in, in, you know, eighth and ninth grade. And, you know, I lived with a, a foster family. So I had this weird combination of being coddled but also being off on my own. And I remember just being terrified of this is like the next step in my life. This is the, the you know, the jumping point. Right. So I piled all my stuff in there, went down to, the, to this new place, rented an apartment with a buddy and worked there. And I'd never felt more like I was doing the right thing or that I was in the right place. And like within a week, I, you know, you know, everyone's name in the hotel and you're, you're folding pot stickers as fast as the guy has been doing it for five years. And, you know, you're getting these promotions and Hey, come learn this station and do that. And so for me cooking and, and that was just like, it just made so much sense. Did you feel like, because I think sometimes as outsiders, you know, because of a lot of people, because of his success have, have read Bourdain's book right. and stuff like that. And and I think a lot of people have this mentality that the kitchen is a very cutthroat type of place. Did you feel like it was like that or like you were really cultivated and kind of hugged uh, or I, a combination of the two? I think Roy's specifically the, the family that they build and, and that hotel. And that was a very small community. Right. I mean, Carmel Valley and, you know, um, it, it was, it was almost like, uh, you went out to a bar and you pretty much high-fived everyone, right? Yeah. You knew, you knew everyone. So I think I felt very, um, appreciated and and comforted and coached along but i also uh, i don't remember many days in my life where i haven't worked really freaking hard and always tried to get the guy's job who i was working for not in a mean sense but like 
when he comes in, I want his shit to be done and ready so he doesn't have to panic and freak out and yell at us. Like, I'm going to do all my stuff, and then I'm going to see what else I can do. And I think that led me to having a lot of favorable people or people show me um, a favorable attitude as opposed to, you know, being treated like shit because I'm late or I'm on drugs or, or right. I'm not doing work. Yeah. So I think that's that's – I take some credit for being coddled because I feel like I show up. Yeah. But – um. But Chefs yeah. get a bad rap sometimes, you know. Neck, I've, I've thrown a plate tats, once. Gauges, yeah. you know. thrown a plate once. Yeah, That's one cool. time. Ooh, one? I, and I, I've been angry what, in my life. What got you to throw the plate? So I was working at Roy's at the Esplanade over here on 24th and Camelback, and um, it, it, it had come back. So something went out, and I don't remember the exact thing. I remember it was a large 12-inch entree plate. I remember that. Um <laughs> And, and I know that we were short-staffed because there weren't very many people in the kitchen. Um, and I know that the plate went out and it came back and it was not to the guest's satisfaction. So I, immediately I was pissed about that, right? Like I don't ever want anything to come back. Yeah. Um, and, and this was – I'm guessing this wasn't the first thing that went wrong because I wouldn't have been level 10 already yeah. just from that one thing. Um, usually my reaction is kind of to hang my head when something comes back because I'm, I'm disappointed more than angry. Um, and then I grabbed it and I turned right around and I slammed it. There was this little pony wall right behind me and I slammed it against the wall and it didn't break. It bounced. And then I was just like pissed. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, I'm breaking like, this. The, the, Somebody the, light the match. Yeah. It's yeah. going to break. The yeah. one time in my life I lashed out and, yeah. and it didn't, it did not go well. <laughs> um, so no, that was, but, but it is what it is. I mean, yes, I, I, I also wish like sometimes that we have a live feed in the camera or live live feed in the kitchen yeah. because it's not it's not Hell's Kitchen it's not yeah. I yeah. mean uh, I used to watch Hell's Kitchen the first couple of years I was an alternate actually for season one so I was like you know interested in the show and watching and um and every time they bring in eighty people at once I'm like that will never happen, happen. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You can't feed people like that. Yeah. There's a flow. There's a rhythm. There's a there's a, a natural path that the evening takes that right. that that allows you to feed that many people at once. So I well I want I got two questions I want to ask you. But how did you m- kind of make the transition from? Actually, let me ask this other question first because I think it's more pertinent. I want to talk a little bit about etiquette sending stuff back okay. as a layman. And I want to, this is an admission (laughs) and a story. And I don't think you know the story, but I think it's going to be really great here. So as I mentioned, there was my introduction to you and your service and your food was, um, I, but, but kind of between my, me and my friends, I have come to call the restaurant the table, but we were at Beckett's table and I got a dish. I got the salmon. It came out. Um, and I had, previous the other previous times i just had some really phenomenal brussels sprouts and they were just perfect they were just i i I don't know the the mixture of kind of um moisture to crispness that's probably not the best description but it was perfect well this night i was just i had had i had had a day and for some reason all i wanted that day was those fucking brussels sprouts they so weren't I, there. I went there. Well, no, no, listen, listen. They went there and I ordered them and they came out and they were too, too soggy. And so I told the server, I said, 
um, I said, I, I think I actually asked them how we should handle this because I said, <laughs> I, I love these sprouts. I don't, I don't want my money back. I don't want anything. I would just, can I get some fresh ones or can I get a new batch? And they sent them back and they brought it and everything was fine. And like the rest of the evening was great. But I, I want to ask you what, first of all, is it okay to send food back? And second of all, what should that etiquette be from the eater's point of view? How should that be handled when it happened? Because they came back and the rest of the night was phenomenal. The, the thing that came back to me was perfect. And so it wasn't like I had, oh, I'm going to go fucking jump on Yelp because these Brussels sprouts are I knew they weren't. You know? Some people do that, though, and they're the worst kind of people. I know. And Yelp, I, rev- Yelp reviewers are like the worst kind of people. I know, and that's why I try to be – I feel like there's a bad stigma around that. But we did it to them. Yelp basically pays you to do that. Yeah. And uh, don't okay. get me wrong. I use Yelp. Like, if I'm looking for a restaurant search – I mean, and I'll pay attention to the stars, but at no point in time have I ever really wanted to read anyone else's comments because they're always so dumb. But anyway – well, I've Can been super embarrassed, food? first of all. I've, I've been super embarrassed to admit that, that I did that when I was at your space, <laughs> but I thought it would be great to talk about because... No, I didn't know I was going to get cannonballed like this. Just <laughs> I went to the restaurant and had horrible things. No. Um, okay, so my, my first question is, when you say the Brussels sprouts were too moist the first time, does that mean... Like, no, now I want to, like, find find the solution and figure it out. So, what? like, they were overcooked or they were sitting in liquid? Um, I, I think, I think that it was just a little too much liquid. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I, um, so, so this is, this is really a big topic. So I want to try to kind of bullet point it or kind of keep it down. Um, the bottom line, when you take a step back and you're not the restaurateur and you're not the chef, you're not, you're not the diner is you're paying for a product and you should probably get exactly what you want. Or really damn close, okay? So if I go get my my oil changed and um, they forget to put the oil back in, I mean, I take the car back and and they fix it, right? Yeah. I'm, and I'm not paying for it again, you know? And, and I am probably have a sour taste in my mouth. They're going to have to make me feel good about this experience that I trusted you with my car and you failed to perform what I don't know anything about, but I'm trusting you to, you know, to make sure it's right. So same thing with food. Okay, you don't know how to make good Brussels sprouts. You came in, you craved it, you've had it before. You have an expectation, um, and we're not even talking about service or cleanliness or good beverage or yeah. you know music level or good you know anything. Yeah. We're right. talking about I'm ordering a product. I have expectations. I've had the product previously, and 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 I want it to be like that. So I think you're 100 percent fair to send it back. Um, I don't think there's ever a time when you shouldn't get what you want. Um, I say that now in a calm, cool, collective way. When I'm doing 400 <laughs> covers yeah. and food comes back, I'm I'm angry because I'm disappointed, and I'm frustrated and short-tempered already. So it's it's really about taking a breath and making sure that you do the right thing in the yeah. right way. So um, you pay for something, you should get what you paid for. That's that's a that's the bottom line on it all. But I think that there's. So here's here's a, an example of of that situation going the different a different way. Yeah, we were like a week old, and um, you know, a hundred covers for us was like, you know, walking across the Sahara. It was like the yeah. worst thing ever. Yeah, and there was a lady uh, at a table, and the restaurant was a little bit you know quieter than it should have been probably, and 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 she sent back um, a salmon dish, and it was on a cold couscous salad, and she sent it back, and um, 
we, we created a new rule from this situation. The server came up, put it on the, the counter right there and said, um, the lady thinks this dish is cold and, and, you know, or says it's cold. She would like a hot plate, a hot dish. And I, and I, in my haste said, it's a fucking cold dish. Yeah. Like, of course it's cold. <laughs> yeah. And she heard me. Oh. And I mean, she was, you know, earshot away. Um, and so now, um, you know, and, and when she heard it, she, she stood up and she's like, it's cold. The food's cold, you know? So like now I'm fighting with a guest in my dining room that's paying me to do a good job. Right. And of course, none of this was supposed to happen, but, um, so we, we heated up the couscous. It wasn't how the dish was prepared. It wasn't how it's supposed to be, um, in my eyes, but it made her happy and, and the situation got rectified. So now when a server comes up and says, Hey, I'm talking about table 33, which is right behind us. I'm talking about 70, which is right next to us. Um, the guest is watching me. I want to give you back this. They would like the salmon cooked a little more, you know? Yeah. I don't care what you do behind the corner, going back, going the walk and scream, do whatever you got to do, but let's get that out for you right now. The number one priority is to get you back what you want. So, um, I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you sent back the Brussels sprouts. Those Brussels sprouts are so good yeah. when they're good. Um, but I only have them on the menu a certain time of the season because they're not good when they're not good. Yeah. And that doesn't fix a soggy problem. Right. But, you know, if, if you have a Brussels sprout that's overgrown and messy and tough and chewy, to get it to that delicious bite is going to be so much harder. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just think, have you ever sent food back? No. Yes. What? Yeah. It's never. Such an- I've never sent food back. Well, so I I waited tables and bartended all through college. So I got yeah. 12 years in, in the game doing that. Yeah. And I feel the exact same way you do is for my guests, it was always, you know, if they were like apologize, like, hey, I, you know, this isn't cooked. And my, my immediate response to them was always, you came here, you're paying for it. We'll, we will make right. it right. Yeah. Um, but there's people that I, I, I feel like there's, you know, again, as a guest, if it didn't come out correctly, like you asked for a medium and we didn't do something that you had asked for in preparation, that's one thing. But if you didn't read the menu that it was a co- served over a cold couscous salad, and then you want to say you don't like it, well, that you know, then that's your your bad. And there's been times where I haven't liked something that I've ordered, but guess what? I didn't like but it, but I you, ordered yeah. it. But yeah, it's yeah. on me. You know yeah, what but- I mean? And people don't. But and it doesn't mean and and I'm somebody that will give like I like going out to eat. I like trying new restaurants. Yeah. I like that's that's fun for me. So if I go somewhere and and tried it and I didn't like what I ordered, it doesn't mean that I won't go back. It just means that I won't, you know, if I like the atmosphere, if I like right. there's a lot of other things that that go into a restaurant that you have to appreciate and I feel like people don't appreciate going out a lot. They just do it to do it. Well, that's so. why I posed the question because I I'm also and she'll tell you this. I'm very okay with being wrong. And so if the server or one of your management staff or you had come and said, this is how, and I know you wouldn't just do this to a guest, but if you said, this is how it's supposed to be prepared and this is blah, 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 I'd be like, oh, great. Like, I just need to open up my mind. And that's, I think it's such an interesting topic because I, I wonder if, um, I've, I've always wondered how chefs feel about it. How, if you want, um, if you really, you know, want to make to, to work on that thing and have that feedback or if it's, if it's kind of just a facade that that's you where your really... servers though I, I feel like that's where your servers or your bartenders have to really be an advocate for for you because i would right. say to a guest and i would do this all the time you know totally understand that couscous is supposed to be cold would you how would you like us to proceed from here yeah 
like I wouldn't just bring a dish back and be like, this shit's cold. Do something about it, you know? And yeah. that always, when I, I feel like helped mediate everybody's issues. Cause they don't, I mean, I've worked in restaurants where not everybody is as calm, cool and collected. Yeah, yeah. And if you bring something back, it is an immediate reaction to fuck this, fuck that, <laughs> Fuck that yeah. bitch out there, well, and, and like this, and and honestly, it can, that one thing can derail an entire line. That now the salad guy's like, oh shit. Well, I should add some context I mean? here to say that I, I I wasn't I didn't send anything back because I was upset. I I am a very amateur. Um, my stomach is a professional eater, but I'm amateur in my knowledge, <laughs> and I enjoy. I really enjoy immersing myself in. It's like I have. I've never seen the studio here, which most people haven't because we literally just got here. I've got a lot of art around, and we chatted about how when I travel, I collect art, and I appreciate the skills that people have for this because I don't have it. I consider food the same way for me. That's a chance for me to enjoy the, maybe this is a little like a millennial term, but the art and this thing that you've created. And that night, it was not in a malicious way. It was the person that I was with had never been there. And I was like, you have got. Did you brag about the Brussels sprouts before you got there? I bragged. No, I bragged while they were getting the other yeah. ones because I said, "Listen, I said these are going to be." I, it wasn't. I was not upset at all. Um, I wouldn't have been embarrassed if I was with you if you had done that. I don't think. Well, what because you did, I there wanted was that person wrong. that had never been there to to have right. this dish in yep. its totality, and then we did, and it was a phenomenal night. Yeah. But it, it just when I when I got you to come on, I, that's a, a question that I wanted to ask because I think it's always it's always a conversation between the people at the table. Like if somebody says, Oh, should I send this back? There's going to be a mix. There's, there's personalities. <laughs> it's a mi- that are, there's a mixed reaction. There's those personalities yeah. that are like, not, of course. And then there's, there's yeah. not a wrong or a right here because yeah. it's who no. you're with. It's what happened. It's so circumstantial, but, um, it's respectful though. Be respectful when you do it. If you're yeah. going to send something back, do not be an asshole about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I've had both yeah. plenty of times. And, um, you know, and, and you mentioned earlier about being confused about a dish and being embarrassed to say, what is that? You know, what is yeah. pancetta? You know, like yeah. not everybody knows what pancetta is. So I am embarrassed. I don't want to ask you what a fancy food word is. But then when I get it, I realize I don't eat pork. Yeah. So so we, we've we've learned a lot um, over over the career of the restaurant. Yeah. And we've learned, you know, that when somebody says, you know, I'd like the grilled cheese sandwich um, with pancetta and then the server not condescendingly, not trying to say you're an asshole and you don't know, but like says, okay, have you, you know, have you, it is a crispy Italian cured bacon uh, with black pepper and the, perfect. Great. I will have that. Yeah. But if we don't short of putting a parenthesis and saying bacon next to the word pancetta, yeah. which can almost sound like a joke or can almost be like, why are they telling me twice? Or can yeah. be like, Oh, it's bacon. Thank yeah. God. I know that I don't eat bacon. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you're, you're towing the line of saying F you. And, and then also, you know, being res- if you do, you, you have to have good weight staff. I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. Well, no. And, <laughs> and I, I've been plenty of places where it's like, I feel like that's becoming more common, especially, I mean, weights, they just show up they don't know the menu. They expect their 20%. And like, and I, and this is a tipping conversation is completely separate, but you as a server, like need to know your menu and anyone who has a yeah. restaurant, you need to rely on them to, to be that kind of mediator. Cause there's plenty of people that come in and they don't know what pancetta is and they won't ask. And when they get it, they don't like it. And then it, it can completely taint the entire experience. So we, we chatted a little bit 
um, pre. But, you Speaking know, of bacon, this chocolate covered bacon is phenomenal. Solid. So, Chef Beckett has brought us this chocolate covered bacon, um, and it's it's so good. We talked about how I think a lot of people are marrying bacon with a lot of things these days, but I think this in its in a, a semi plain form. I think sometimes I see bacon get put on things. And I'm like, I I think it it could take away from the quality of the meat. In the bacon or the rest of whatever it's being put on, you know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to go somewhere and get like a six foot tall nacho with, and let's put some bacon on top of it. But yeah. this, things like this, I I love this because it's just kind of it is what it is. I don't, and it's so simple. I always hate when people put bacon with like like bacon donuts, as we were talking about earlier. So dumb. I think it's so dumb. Yeah, I don't like so it. What, but cover I, it in chocolate. Yeah, tell us. Can I tell you a story about this? Yeah. So, um, part of the mission uh, at Beckett's, and you know, I keep it. I, keep talking about it because it's, it's part of my life. It's part of what I am. But I mean, I am a person outside of the restaurant, yeah. believe it or not. I'm actually sitting here right now, <laughs> not in the restaurant. Um, for me, it was about creating dishes, creating experiences that um, are important to our two families. And, um, you know, we have we have drinks on the menu that that harken back to, um, you know, the old amusement park that was here, Legend City. Um, you know, we have a drink on there called Flynn's Dilemma, which harkens back to, you know, Katie's history. And, Her last and name is Flynn. There you go. Yeah, you know, Coming the, for the it. She has a lot of dilemmas. We're go- uh, <laughs> a lot of dilemmas. Uh, 99 but, problems, but a man ain't man, one. Yeah. Um, so, so, so when we were creating this, I wanted to do something. And this was before bacon was cool on desserts and kind yeah. of, you know, the whole fusion stuff. Well, I used to go camping every summer with my grandparents. And I grew up macrobiotic, holistic, nothing in our house had was on a commercial. I wasn't allowed to eat sugar. I went to birthday parties where they had pizza with pepperoni on it. It was just like the end of the world. You know, yeah, I mean, you said like, you were a vegetarian growing up. Yeah, it was it was Which it was is wild to me. It was insane. And because well, so, don't you love southern food as well? Well, we'll, then, get, yeah, there. we'll get to that for sure. <laughs> that that definitely needs we'll some time. Get there. Um, we'll have that conversation yeah. later. Um so I would go I would go on these summer trips with my grandparents and um the best part of camping is the fire at night yeah. and singing the songs and hanging out and the and, smells and the smells the sounds, and, and, yeah. and s'mores and marshmallows and marshmallows are like the world's worst and best thing ever. You yeah. know, but they stay in that bag for 20 years and they're perfect. Um, so my, I, I have a huge connection with my grandparents. I spent, you know, many, many months every year with them and they were as much a part of my food upbringing as my family was, my parents was. And, you know, um, you know, picking tomatoes and cucumbers and the three-legged dog and, you know, her huge garden in Connecticut. Like it was just, you know, it's like, that's a lot. I, I didn't realize it till later in life, but that was a lot of what food was for me and my experience. So I wanted to pay tribute to, um, the s'mores and this, you know, what is a perfect s'more? And everybody has a different opinion. And do you burn the marshmallow? You know, if you're strategic about the way you hold the graham crackers, you don't get the marshmallow all over yourself when you're pulling it off the hanger. And, you know, how many paint chips did we eat in those marshmallows with the hanger? And, you know, like <laughs> this this whole process of building your own messy s'more. And I said, well, you know, it's kind of s'mores, whatever. Everybody does s'mores or, you know, everybody has this thing about how easy s'mores are. I said, why don't we make our own marshmallows? And why don't we, you know, just for fun, we need like this peanut butter mousse and, you know, peanut butter and chocolate and bacon and sugar. I mean, all makes sense. And I said, let's, you know, instead of just giving you a Hershey's bar, let's, you know, make this incredible salty, smoky bacon and roast it perfectly and dip it in chocolate. And then, you know, so so we were now this avant-garde, you know, pushing the envelope with s'mores and bacon and, you know, getting on the news for it and all that. And that was a nice kind of 
thing that happened. Um, but there's this family story and there's this, you know, I didn't eat bacon for so much of my life, you yeah. know, as a kid and, and, and this s'more experience is really important to me. So it, you know, this dish kind of came like that, but now it's like, I can't take it off the menu because I underestimated people come the, for it. I underestimated the value of the chocolate holding in the moisture on the meat. Yeah. When I bit into that, it was just like, it, it wasn't, it was different. I expected it to be a little more crispy. It's a big, thick piece of bacon, but I don't know. It, You're really into the word moisture. It's fucking perfect. I know. It's multiple times today already. Have I said that? So much oh, moisture. we're talking about the Brussels. Yeah. yeah. A lot well, of only mo- when it comes to our restaurant. Moistness, like, moisture. It's like everybody yeah. hates Like, <laughs> you're, everybody's already stopped listening because you've said it so many times. No. But <laughs> why are people context, so, it's okay, right? Why are people so turned off by that word? I don't, people hate that word. It's the most hate hated it. word ever. You hate it too? Uh, no, I use it all the time. Yeah. I mean, you have to. Uh, but, but We're talking have... about food, but I just—it's becoming very clear to me how many times we you've used it. There are way worse. But instead of moisture, you could say like zhuzhi. Oh, okay. Or I use the word slutty a lot because I want to talk about like this gravy and this coating and this like yeah, yeah. you know like I use the word yeah. sexy a lot about a, yeah. About there a lot you go. Things, yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah. Um. So, I, I this is kind of like a, a personal inquest for me, but you're venture into southern food and your opinion of southern food what i think it's good but i'm from there but everybody and it 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 can it can come from like a full family dinner to also there's a restaurant called bojangles and when i bring people if we've got you know if we don't have a lot of time we're on a road trip we'll stop at bojangles and get a, a cajun chicken fillet sandwich and um yeah so i think it runs the gamut in the south the that people love our food in general. What what drew you to that, or what was your? How did you get to, to loving Southern food? Well, I'm a little pissed that I didn't know more about it earlier in life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I God mean, damn it, mom and dad. Let's so be good. real. Like, it's I've, so terrible you know, and so good. I'm 44, and I've you know only 15 years of my life have involved Southern food. It's bonkers. Well, but, do you remember what your first Southern dish was? I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm sure I've tasted Southern inspired things before, but you know, I mean, when you finally go to the South and I'm sure my opinion of the South and your opinion of the South was different, but. Where um, did you go? Okay. So, so we have these things called edathons and edathons are periods of time, um, 24 to 48 hours usually where you commit to going to a town or a place and you do tons and tons of research. You need to know everything about not only like geographically the area and how you get around, but times of business of businesses, you know, yeah. like if you're open for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or if you're just open for dinner um, and you basically map out all the things that you want to taste. Yeah. This trip is solely about what you're putting in your mouth and, um, and you do all that and then you rent a car and then you pick a hotel that's centrally located to all that. And you literally have like a timeline of the 36 hours. And you say, this place is open at 6 a.m. So I can hit that. This place is open at 7. I can do that. And you're, you're not a three-meal-a-day person. You're now, um, I, think, I think our biggest was 26 restaurants in 24 hours. Scott, can we do this? Yeah, that no, sounds... Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Physically, for, probably for, not. But like, for no research other than I just want to go to a ton of restaurants and yeah. try a bunch of So do you have food. basketball tearaway pants? Because those are like a must. Or stretchy will, for sure. I will... Uh, Sweatsuits. S- yeah. Stretchy pants are my jam. <laughs> but I would bring back the tear pants for this specific reason. Yeah, I would go buy so, that tracksuit. Yeah, I would... Yes. So my business partner is uh, from Louisiana. Okay. He's from New Orleans. And um, 
he'd always talk to me about, you know, kind of like the gumbo and the beignet and the, the typical things from, from New Orleans. Right. And, um, I think naturally I was meant to cook Southern food just because if you think about Southern food as a whole, you know, grandma's in the kitchen all day. Yep. There's not a ton of money and, you know, center of the plate Kobe beef or something like that. It's, it's humble products treated with care and love and tenderness and time and turned into something glor you know, glorious. Yeah. Um, I also love the, I've got collard greens and you've got peach jam, you know, let's do a swap. Let's make our food good together. Um, I love the fact, and this is why I love Italian food too, is that so much of your day is almost like, what am I going to do before the next time I get to gather around that table and have this feast with the feast with the people I love. And, um, you know, it, it, it feels like if you go to some cities and some towns are passionate about food, but it's like, you know, here's my busy day and I'm going to sneak in this sandwich because I really like the sandwich. Um, whereas in the South, it's like, I've got all these things to do, but remember, we got to get the crawfish boil going. We got to get the, we got to get the pork hocks in the stock. We got to, you know, like it's, it's almost like a priority, which is important yeah. to me because I think food's really. You have to work the rest of your day around prep. Right. So. So Scott says to me, he says, we got to open a Southern restaurant. And I'm like, oh, what do I, what do I know about Southern food? And you know, okay. So we plan these edathons, Okay. And these edathons, we did, we've done New Orleans a couple of times. One trip in New Orleans was solely dedicated to po' boys. And all we ate was basically po' boys. And, and so was the goal there to come back with your idea of what the perfect po' boy would be on your menu? Yeah. And, and how do I make, yeah. how do I respect what people's perception in that part of the world is yep. and then how do I make it my own and then how do I also and this is a whole new topic but how do we not piss off Arizonans and telling them this is what a po' boy is supposed to be when they're like I just want I, mayonnaise yeah. you know, yeah. or whatever the, whatever the, whatever the yeah. thing is yeah. so or, we did New Orleans a couple times we did Atlanta which surprised the shit out of me oh my god that food was good so much good I love Atlanta yeah. Charleston which was just I mean, some of the best things I've ever put in my mouth were there. Um, we did Austin, which was incredible. And, you know, Franklin's is everything it cracks up to be. And, you know, just I was surprised about how much good food there was in Austin that wasn't like barbecue or, yeah. or Texas, yeah. you know. So it was like it was incredible to me. Um, I did Asheville, North Carolina, which was which was uh, my mother, my mother was living up there at the time, and so it was. That's my neck of the woods. Asheville it's, is a oh, yeah, super yeah. fun between yeah. the breweries, the food. Like, and in that's the last a, ten years, it's a great. Yeah, it's completely yeah. boomed. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's super like, artistic. People Did you do know, like bachelorette fact, parties, bachelor party. It's like a great little destination. The I'm gonna give you a little tidbit about Asheville. So when <laughs> I'm gonna give you, you hear that? <laughs> I know. When, I almost went into wait, wait, a little bit. Of it. I was like, we're hey. back. He's back in yeah. North Carolina right now. When Asheville, uh, when the settlers started to move west from Asheville, they they picked up. They all moved west in a caravan and they settled Flagstaff. Flag, just one caravan. Flags. Yeah, just one Dodge caravan. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Flag, Flagstaff. Flagstaff is a sister city to Asheville. That makes a lot of sense. There's a ton of North Carolinians up there, and the reason I learned this was I was up there several years ago, and I was walking out around one of those like crazy crystal stores or whatever, <laughs> and somebody was talking. Somebody at the counter sounded like me, and then the other person was like, "Yeah, I'm from Greensboro," and then uh, somebody else joined, and there was like five of us in the store 
that didn't know each other that were from North Carolina. And then this old man walks out of the back and he was like, that's cause we settled here. You know, yeah. this whole story. I he drove told us. the Dodge caravan. And then, and I kind of left and <laughs> I was one like, wheel. Yeah, Is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And I only stopped for gas four times. Yeah. And he was like, it was uphill in the snow the entire way. Yeah. Um, Literally. But I, I went back and I did some research cause I was like, Oh, this old man's done. It's true. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. I, I just love how, I, I mean, I'm sure there's an Arby's and an Applebee's and whatever in, in Asheville, but for me, it's about a 30-seat restaurant with some dude hanging ham and, yep. and you know, I, I don't know. Do people eat at Arby's? Like, I... I want to know how I want to know I exactly I want to know because they can pay him to do those commercials I want to know how Arby's is still in business because I've yet to meet somebody that's like god damn I gotta go to Arby's yeah it doesn't story about like I know they have the meats but I was in I was in I was a senior in high school and I was struggling to you know there were only 17 people in my graduating class because I went to you know a school where you dressed up to perform um you know your book report yeah um Uh, but every Olay. every as a senior, every every lunch, you got to get in the car that the rich kid's dad just bought them and and go off and get fast food and come back. And this was what you did. Well, I wasn't I mean, that wasn't who I was. That wasn't my my thing. I didn't eat meat and stuff. So they would always go to Arby's and I always felt, you know, like they were cooler than I was. And, you know, like I should really I wanted to be included. And I got invited one day to go to Arby's for lunch in, you know, as a senior in high school. And uh, and we went and and I got, you know, seasoned curly fries because that's what they had available for people that didn't eat meat. And yeah. I so that was my first experience with Arby's was knowing that there was this Arby's and everybody loved it. And, you know, the prime rib sandwiches or whatever the hell it was at the time. And and ever, all the cool kids went every day for lunch. But I, I finally got included and it was just crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't. I, I'm not really going to claim Arby's, to be honest. But if you if we're talking fast food and next time you're there, if you pass this restaurant called Cookout. Cookout is, Where's it at? it's, it's throughout North, it's a chain, it's, okay. but it's a privately owned chain. Um, I think they've got like 70 of them now, but it's through, it's from North Carolina down to probably the bottom of South Carolina. And it's like a highway, you know, you'll see them along the, but it's the thing that blows my mind about them is they're still privately owned. They haven't, they haven't gone public. They haven't partnered or sold out, but they do, they make a, a chopped barbecue dish mm. and just the, if you know, I, I'm certainly not a chef. I'm a home cook. I enjoy it. But I, the one thing I do know, I can, I can prepare meat. I can, you know, we, I grew up in a, in a hunting family. Mm. And so preparing venison, drying, smoking meats and the, the scale at, at, and, and the economics behind producing this much chopped barbecue around the region kind of blows my mind how they make that because it's it's a super cheap dish and it's really it's for chopped barbecue it's really pretty good mm. and so I've always wanted to know but I can't I tried to like um, you should invite them on the show yeah I actually reached out <laughs> at one point but they they, they don't care it's like a they seven, weren't as responsive yeah, on Instagram yeah, as, yeah, as we were yeah, yeah, yeah but so I I think that what's do you what are some other things that you took what what was your experience in Atlanta? What did you like in Atlanta? So Atlanta, sho- I mean, maybe I'm a big dummy, but what shocked me about Atlanta was the vegetables. It was yeah. like I, I love, I love me some bacon, and I love cooking with pork and and flavor and meats and and reducing and demis and you know stocks and all that kind of stuff. But I am so proud of vegetable dishes, and and when you make vegetables sing, especially things like Brussels sprouts, because 
I don't know that's about Brussels, Brussels sprouts are hard to do. That's it's my favorite. It's my favorite vegetable. But you almost like sometimes you don't want to order them because people when they do them wrong, they do them wrong. You want me to tell you it. real quick why I love coming there for those? Yes, because anything it, you can tell me about why you love me, yes, tell me. It reminded me no, of. No, then don't this stop. Is Keep going. No, yes, <laughs> say more. This yes. is. I'm not. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass here. I like. I love those Brussels because it's how my grandma used to make them. It's very okay. similar. Well, that is wrong. That is that is not typical. Yeah. Most I yeah, remember coming home and you knew them. you knew two hours before dinner if you were having Brussels sprouts because <laughs> the whole house smelled like shit. Yeah, like it. I mean, so many people come in and they're like, "Why do you have Brussels sprouts on your menu? This is horrible." And I'm like, "Taste them and then tell me." You my know? mother, so, ha- my mother it. hates them. A lot of people I mm-hmm. know in that like 40, 50 range, they hate them. They Favorite. absolutely hate them and they won't make them. Like my mom's a great cook. She will not make Brussels sprouts because her grand her well, her mother, my grandmother, used to like them. steam them and yeah. ruin them and they for two hours. And, and they hated them. They won't do it. My father's the same way. Most people that have averse reactions to certain vegetables are because the experiences that their childhood had involving them. So spinach, yeah. you know, like people had that cream spinach BS on their plates. Yeah. Um Brussels sprouts. <laughs> um, you know, I mean our parent my parents not necessarily my parents, but my gener- my parents' generation ruined a lot of food for our generation. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we're all the same age ish in this room. Yeah, we it, are. But, we're, but, yeah, you know, we're in we're in the same bracket. The I, same way. I, I grew up it's funny because my my mom and the family, and she'll admit this, she's not the cook, it's my dad. And it's because my dad grew up we in a very blue collar household. I mean, my dad was out at eighteen, never went to college. He was a brick mason by trade, and he's worked himself up from there, but he around that age and through high school, he was kind of helping raise his three younger siblings. So he was in the kitchen with my grandma. And that's when, when they come visit, when I go home, I always tell them, because a lot of times I'm there for three, four day weekends. I don't have a whole lot of time. And I said, whatever we do here, whatever activities you guys have planned, because, and I don't know how it says, but in the South, you go back home, they want to shuffle you around, go see everybody. You guys see blah, blah, blah. But I said, I want, a, a several hour block of time where we're just in the kitchen and I, I want a, a home cooked meal from my dad or my grandmother, if she can be there. And that's, that means more to me than anything. And I, in a small little way to give context, when I came to your restaurant and I had this dish that I loved, there was something about it that reminded me of that experience that I hadn't gotten anywhere else in Arizona. And, and that was, and so, you know, really to kind of rope it back to, to sending things back, that's what I was craving. I knew the food was going to be awesome. I knew they were going to fix it, but I wanted my friend that I was with to, to experience this feeling. Right. And, um, and it was a friend from the South. And when we had that meal and he was like, Oh, like, fuck, you're right. This is phenomenal. And it was, that's what it was. But that's what we have to play off of. Like there's so many restaurants, there's so many experiences, there's so many, dollars xyz dollars per day being spent on disposable you know disposable income on 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 feeding yourself whether it's a subway sandwich or buying groceries at the farmer's market or you know eating a bag of chips at a gas station like you can't just offer a dish for twelve dollars anymore you know you have to it has to be well presented it has to be prepared properly it has to have a little bit of something that makes you go ah or a zing and for you that was the nostalgia yeah. and and i i always tell people uh, i always tell new cooks when they come in i said you gotta you know there's a lot of golden rules you gotta follow like 
Don't drop shit on the floor and use it. Don't do the wrong, you know, do the right thing when no one's looking. Don't steal shit. Don't stab anybody. Help your brother out. Like all those kind of things. But more so than that, like if you're going to put this food on a plate and you're going to serve it to somebody who's paying, you better be willing to pay for it yourself. And then you also better be willing to sell it to your family, serve it to your family. And if those standards aren't met, you know, we should definitely not be charging anyone else for it. But um, I also tell them, I said, this food has to stay with people when they're not here. Like when you're going to sleep tonight, you need to be thinking, like I got to get my hooks in you, you know? Uh, How did... How did that blackened ahi tuna with the hot soy mustard butter and, you know, a chocolate lava souffle cake get so popular? I want and, all and, those things. Right. I want both of those things and I want them right now. We're going to go <laughs> But not together. Can we go? No, I'm being dead serious because I have yeah. yet, I'll be honest, I have yet to go to Beckett's table. Oh, my um, God. You didn't coach her about this before? No, I, w- I wish. So I was traveling all last week, no, but I, I wish that we had gone beforehand. She's also fresh. She's she's not been here long she she's fresh off the boat to arizona i think it's hard the one thing that i love about arizona when people ask me and i always say is the restaurant and bar scene here is so great so good yeah and so to your point didn't always be wasn't always to your point i feel like you really have to do things that stand out here because Mm -hmm. there's a thousand restaurants Mm -hmm. so you know your black and dahi tuna better be Spot that, on, I don't so have that, that people crave to come. I don't. You don't have, have it right no. now. No, so people, I was see, talking about Royce. You know what? What? <laughs> yeah. What a tease! You don't. Yeah, you don't. I, I mean, don't I, can name, like, I can name other things that we have that you'll ooh and ah about, but okay, that well, that is uh that was a you know a nineteen nineties nineteen you know early two thousands creation that that I was talking about like got those hooks in people. Like yeah. I ran into people and I told them I worked at Roy's in the supermarket and they would be like, oh, the black and dahi. I think about it all the time. You know, yeah. so it was. It was. I'm gonna think about it now and I can't now it's have the grilled it, cheese so sandwich. People stop me in the grocery store and they're like, you you know Beckett's Table? Do you work there? I'm like, yeah. And they're <laughs> yeah, like, you yeah. have a grilled cheese been sandwich. Hi. I'm like, I've been in this industry for 25 years, worked my ass off every day, and you know me for a freaking melted grilled cheese, cheese sandwich. Like, is that your dish right now that people, is that what's hooking Well, people? I've had that um, on the menu since day one yeah. at both restaurants. And um, I also started that at a previous restaurant. So it's been in the market for a while. You yeah. know, people kind of know it and love it. And and it's a staple. I don't care, yeah, I don't care who you are, whether you're a mature diner or not, or taste palate wherever. Yeah. you can. Everyone can enjoy it. So Serve it with tomato soup, and you suck every roasted time. Roasted red pepper tomato soup. Yeah, every time there is a grilled cheese and tomato soup on a menu, you get it. Uh, sometimes I I try and be a mature adult, adult and I don't get it. Why? But it will literally. Oh, I'm not like that. It'll beg. <laughs> well, some, I get whatever I want. Sometimes I'll I'm like I need a up. steak or I need this yeah. or I need that. You know whatever. Where's your go to? What's your what's your meal? What's your go to meal? Uh Like what do you order the most? So I I am unlike you guys here in the room. I don't. I'm not a huge meat person, um, or a barbecue person, or like yeah. a you know. So I am a big fish person. I'm a chicken person. Yeah. Um, I'm a big tapas person because I, I love, I like people, because again, going out to eat for me is fun. So I like to try new things, right. things right. I wouldn't necessarily try at home or, you know, that Blue Apron will send me because again, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm fresh here. I'm into cooking now, like maybe five weeks. Um, so for me, it's fun. So I want to, I, I want to go to places that are fun that try new things. The experience yeah. is a lot of what will bring me out. Um, and I like to go out with people and, and eat that like to do the same thing that mm-hmm. are, that aren't like, uh, this is my dish. You can't try it. Cause I'll be like, no, this is really good. You got to have a bite. And when people say no, they don't want to try my food that I ordered. I get, <laughs> I get like butthurt. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You don't want to try it this is fun. This is what we're here for. 
I like a good burger. I think my mm. my like just staples probably because I am a meat eater. Have you had the burger at BT or SR? No, I haven't. We had a we have a Mufaletta burger at um at Southern Rail. I'm writing that down. Write that the yeah. fuck down. That's what we're gonna do. So uh, and you can get your gumbo or red beans or you know ochre or whatever you want on the side. Um, so when I was dating, which seems like literally. 100 years ago good right? because because one date for me feels like 100 years so <laughs> I'm, I'm happy where, that where are you I'm, finding these guys i'm happy like, that you have no. passed that <laughs> um i am a hundred percent wonderfully in love with the idea of sharing food yeah but if you take it upon yourself to reach across the table without asking and take my food i'm not okay with it yeah. whether it's the first date or the 10th like I want to share with you and yeah. I want, and I want you to taste the, the wonderful things I'm tasting here and, and we should get something to share, but it's not, it's not your food. You want that to yeah. be a mutually Your fork should space. not cross a certain line. Yeah. Well, just, just, you know, wait for me to offer or say, can I have a bite? And yeah. absolutely I'll make you the perfect bite yeah. on your fork. I like, think the, the kind of opening to that conversation is, would you like to try some? Because to me, that automatically implies that I probably want to try some of yours or at <laughs> right. least opens that up to yeah. happen. Should we split this? Yeah. yeah. I love that. I'm fine with doing that. I'll, I'll order if I, I and I, I'm not a wasteful person cause I'll bring it home and I'll eat. If yeah. I see yeah. two things on the, if it, even if it's two full dishes that I want, I'll get both of them yeah. and I'll eat what I want at that yeah. point. And, and then the bring it home. home. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I don't know, especially if it's food that I love. Michelle always jokes because she's like, are we getting three entrees tonight? Yeah. Because it's like we always but get this, at least. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. You should enjoy trying new things and being out. And, you know, as much as the food is good, the atmosphere has got to be good and kind of the whole Sometimes, vibe that you put out. If I know I'm going to have a busy week, if I've got a lot of meetings or if I know it's not going to be uh, the first week. couple. Yeah. If I can't cook or whatever, I'll if I'm at a place and there are things that would be that would reheat well. I'll just go ahead and order them. I'll bring them home yeah. because I'd rather have that waiting for me than a fucking frozen dinner. Yeah. yeah. And and I never, I didn't really get that tip until I moved. I, I never really saw people do that until I moved to DC and, and mm. became that kind of immersed in my career. And I got, I would get home and I, there was like a three month period where I was just eating like shit. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm still spending money on the food. So might as well. That was like but, traveling. I mean, I used to travel a hundred thousand miles a year. So I was always on the road and I was always eating out and I'm always by myself. And that was always the one disappointing thing because you're in all these different cities. And can't that, take it to go. And you, yeah, no, because you can't bring it back to your hotel. Yeah. There's no time you're going to eat it. And you're really only limited to, to one dish because I'm not going to eat an appetizer and a full meal. And you don't want to be, you know. So I would always have this like, it would take me forever to order because I'm like, crap, I'm only here for one night. Like, what's going to be it? Like, what's yeah. going to be the thing that I really want to try the most? Why do you think there's a stigma of, the more expensive a meal is, the better it is. What do you think has kind or of... Or is there any validity to that, you think? Well, well, let, and, and let me give you a little piece of context because I went with on a bachelor party back in last spring of 19 um, to Mexico City, and we ate at Pujol. And it's Michelin star, blah, 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 all this. The mole? Yeah. It was a phenomenal experience. It was a phenomenal price, but it was one of the best experiences, Just not, not just food-wise, ever that I've had in my life. So I think there are, you know, it's, 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 it's not a specific formula to, to when it's worth it and when it's not. Cause sometimes it definitely is. Sometimes it's a hundred percent not, but I feel like there's a, there's still a stigma, um, that, 
that just because it's expensive, it's better. We know that's not true, but what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, kind of talking backwards a little bit, like we, it's about an experience. So yeah. I could, I could make you the most, um, but I could highest. go to Ruth's Chris and get a hundred dollar steak and not have a good experience, you know? I I mean, if you spend a hundred dollars <laughs> on a piece of meat that you could buy in the store for fifteen bucks, I mean that's on you. It's crazy, but they do it. They do it all and the time. And I think some people go to these places just because they think, oh, this is better. I we have constantly struggled at Beckett's Table and Southern Rail with raising prices. Yeah, and we are we are always talking about sneaky expensive. So sneaky expensive to me means. Um, you look at something on the menu and, you know, you happen to glance at the price and it's not scary um, and you order it and then you get the bill and there was a, a $7 bubbly water charge and, you know, right. your appetizer was 14 and then you added chicken so it was now 21 and then, you know, this and that. So you get the bill and it's 200 bucks for the two of you and you're like, 100 bucks? What just happened? Yeah. Like, how yeah. did that just happen? And not saying it wasn't worth, worth it. It, it, yeah. it wasn't your expectation yeah. to go out and have a $200 meal on a Tuesday. Yeah. So... You know, we've always been very cognizant of that, but the, and I'm not going to get on a soapbox about this, but the cost of doing business is yep. so, and especially with minimum wage and all that stuff, um, is so big that it's very hard for us to keep what I think, you know, that kind of, you know, seven to $14 appetizer and that, you know, 17 to $28 entree, you know, for me, that's kind of where my brain lives. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, I mean, we put specials on the menu that are like $42 or $38 or something and they fly out the door because it's what people want. Yeah. So you want to be like that. So to answer your question directly, um, I think as long as you leave feeling good about the experience you had for the price you paid and, and if you make, if you make $25,000 a year, and if you make $150,000 a year, your answer is very different. Right. Yeah. I mean, losing a $5 bill when you make 20 grand a year is a big deal. Yeah. Losing yeah. $5 bill when you're a millionaire, not such a problem. Yeah. So, so I think it's very individual. And I think that's why we see some of the same people in our restaurants over the years is because those are the people we're talking to. Yeah. Those are the people we're selling to. And, um, I will tell you this though. I do believe that you could pay $10 for something or $100 for something and it makes your heart and your taste buds feel the same way. So if you didn't know how much this dinner was I was putting in front of you it and blind. it was the best thing you ate yeah. and I did it again for more affordably and it was the best thing you ate, that has no price to it, yeah. right? No. So I use the analogy, I mean, I love Binkley and, and he's a good friend of mine and, and he's always like, how come you haven't come in yet? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't have 500 bucks to drop on dinner right now. And he's like, you know, I'll take care of you and it'll be great. And, and, um, it, it's an experience though. You're, you're like, that's like a date night. And I mean, that's yeah. like yeah. a show and food and all that together. Yeah. So if you go have street tacos and then go see Hamilton, I mean, you're 150 bucks right there, but the food was only 25, you know? So yeah. it's like, it's like the experience, like Alinea in Chicago. Uh, I wanted to go for my 40th birthday and long story short, we didn't go, but like the anticipation and, and, and the thought process about booking months in advance and saving up money to go. Like right. if you fall on your face as a, as a server or a cook in that instance, I mean, you have so much to live up to. Yeah. I mean, people are waiting all a mortgage yeah. dinner, right? Yeah. You know, you, you spend your mortgage or you go to dinner, you know? So yeah. I think if you, I think if you have an incredible experience like that, it, it has to be about the whole package. You right. know, if you're, 
if you're, I mean, I don't know, is a hundred dollars steak a lot for you? I mean, is that, is that yeah, common? It's a ton of money. I right. mean, that's just a theoretical example, but it's, yeah. I, but I but also, you can do it. I mean, you can, you can get a $50 filet, but then you can add, you know, the sauces and the this and the that, expensive. and that's sneaky expensive because. Or you could meet me at Nogales dog after work one night yeah. and we could have dinner for six bucks. Well, I think too, for me. 10 I, times. Yeah. <laughs> Well, ten dates, we're not one. Ten, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of experiences where I wouldn't prefer that. I mean, I'm, I'll go, I'll go from it to a full suit in a full with a full suit to a taco stand. Like, yeah, I, I just, I don't have yeah. that kind of ego about it. But I think there are plenty of people that do. I mean, I've lived in cities, but so, but kind of a segue talking about the cost and rising and I, the funny thing to me about menus is I think people think about inflation they think about the economy changing but when they look at menus they don't people right. still yep. inflation could go up six percent in a year people are still going to expect uh, something to be whatever dollar amount they see yeah right and so I think but to, to that end why the fuck does everybody want to start a restaurant because they make good lasagna <laughs> Because their neighbor told them their lasagna was good. I don't know. I uh, Okay, so this goes back to the story I started with. With um, In culinary school, everybody, you know, you graduate culinary school and your one, number one goal in life is work enough experience to get to, to open your restaurant. Yeah. Um, and then you work for all these people and you see all this stuff that you have to deal with and you see that you can make, you know, whatever it is, $50,000 a year, $70,000 a year being a sous chef or a chef and and – and you're like, well, you know, this is pretty good, but, you know, I'm dealing with someone else's money. And, and I, I'm a little different because I've always treated as my owner's money was my money. Yeah. Um, but then you you get to working at all these places and you're like, well, the list of places I want to work is is getting smaller and smaller. And and by golly, I'm making the owner so much money, air quotes. Yeah. Um, what I should be doing this. You know, so you kind of go in this this back and forth where you're like, my whole goal is to open a restaurant. My whole goal is to not open a restaurant and deal with all this crap and paperwork and fixing air conditioning units. And now you go back to like, well, I've kind of done it all now. Now maybe my goal is again to open my own restaurant. And that's what I, that's my path, how I dealt with it. Um, so having a restaurant is an amazing experience a lot of times. Um, and having two restaurants is incredible. It's like going from having one kid to surprise you have quintuplets. Yeah. You know, it's 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 incredible. It's crazy. Um, but I think I think the most rewarding, the best, the most fun, if you will, for me is still cooking. Yeah. And well, that's what I was going to ask. How how much time do you? What percentage of your of your week do you actually get to be in the kitchen and have fun? And and just cook, ex, even explore and create, or you know, versus being the manager or, or you know, the owner runner. Well, I think I'm a little bit in rarefied air in the sense that the way we have set it up, and when we all agreed to go into business together, was, you know, you are really good at beverage. At the, yeah. You do beverage. You know, I'm really good at cooking. I'll do cooking. Now, um, you know, my, my number one job, if I would, if anybody asked me is I'm a chef, I'm a cook, you know, like I, I play with food. That's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Like if someone else is playing with food and I'm doing paperwork, I'm not doing what I'm really good at. Yeah. Right. So, um, or what I'm the best at. So, um, I do have sub jobs, you know, I have to file invoices. I have to place orders every night. I have to write the schedule every week. I, you know. Um, I've fallen into a little bit of the maintenance role. So, you know, if something breaks, I usually look at it before we call somebody. Um, 
I'm also the guy who finds things. No one else in that building could find anything. So they tell me we're out of something, and I'm like third shelf, top on yeah. the left, you know. And the joke is, if I, if you tell me we're out of something, I find it. You owe me a favor. Ooh, um, that's good. I and like that. and I've also because we named it Beckett's Table, and because my name is Beckett, yeah. Um, and and I'm a celebrity chef again, air quotes, you know. And people love knowing the chef. Yeah. We decided that I would be on the PR and marketing side. So, um, so those are kind of my jobs yeah. now. Um, yesterday, you know, with, with a lot of the stuff coming out in the news, you know, we, we had to get aggressive and figure out what our message to the public is. You know, I had to sit in on a couple of webinars and, you know, really figure out the direction and what we're going to do and how we're going to approach it and how we're going to make people feel comfortable and good. And, and so, you know, that was a two hour meeting that wasn't planned that, you know, took away from me chopping things to go into a dish <laughs> tonight, that yeah. night. So, but, um, I, I get really excited when we do things like wine dinners because, you know, we sit down with the wines and we taste them and we like, uh, my palate's trained, you know, it's, 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 it's as, as much of a skill as typing. Yeah. Um, so I start picking things out of wine and we, we get together as a group and we taste it. And we say, this is calling for acidity. This is calling for, you know, something strong and fatty. And so that's creating. And then I put all the words that we think for each wine on the, on the board and, and we, we formulate a dish with those words, you know, so that's, that's really fun. Um, you know, cooking classes, I love teaching and, and hanging out with people and saying, this is how easy it is to make risotto. Like if you follow these simple steps and don't be scared, like, do it a few times. It may not be as good as mine the first time, but try it. And, you know, so that, that connection with the audience, that connection with, with our, with our public and our people. Um, I mean, cooking is what I love to do. And so to answer your question directly, it's, um, it's 70% of my job, you know, which I think is not enough. You know, it it would be a hundred percent if I, if I could, I, I don't enjoy waking up at 5am and going on Fox 10 and, and, you know, and in two and a half minutes, getting my message out and cooking something Are beautiful. Those tough? <laughs> Is it tough to, to to feel like you're giving an accurate picture in that in that small? Because that's one of the things we talked about when you agreed to come here was that we had time to dive into some of this stuff uh, that you don't get to normally. Is that a frustration? With do you feel like it's tough to to hook people in in that amount of time, or do you feel like now you've kind of got the recognition that? Well, I, I, I guess a, a very cynical way to look at it is it's not my agenda. It's, it's the TV station's agenda. Sure. Um, and it's also not a captive audience in the sense of I don't think anybody sits down and watches news. Yeah. Well, okay, I won't say that. I never <laughs> sit down and watch news. Yeah. Um, news we is don't, just on. Yeah, it's well, just it's on. Well, it's just on. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, at 6 a.m., if I'm blow-drying my hair or getting ready and the TV's on and I see it and I'm, you know, handsome enough and the food's colorful enough and I'm saying enough interesting things, maybe they turn it off for a second and look at it yeah. and probably forget the name of the restaurant uh, by the time they're blow drying the hair. But um, I don't know. I, when I, when I first was in the industry, I was nervous. My throat seized up every single time that red light came on. And I was like, you know, just got to make it through this and not screw up and not shake on camera. And and now it's like an old hat, but I, I'm I'm less and less excited about doing it because I just don't know what the response is. Are there any of those kind of engagements, even the longer form ones, like like being on Food Network, that you enjoy? Do you, is is there any part of that that you that you do enjoy? Well, Chopped was an incredible experience, yeah. and it has gen- generated revenue for us. Yeah. Um, but my biggest surprise was it wasn't one big slam the month after it aired. Right. It was, 
every weekend we get a few tables, yeah. you know, and, and people are on vacation. They saw that I was on chopped. They decided to make us a destination for their trip yeah. or, yeah. um, we're new to town and we know that we watch chopped all the time and you were on it. So we wanted to try, you know, those kind of things. So there was value in doing it. It costs us a ton of money to do, you know, yeah. to get on there. Um, it does cost you. Well, they give you, you know, whatever it is, 500 bucks or something to fly to New York and stay yeah. for three days and, you know, hire people to do your job while you're gone and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and then they come and film and there's time with that. And so, I mean, I don't know, five grand or something, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, but Just still like economically too, though. The, va- the one to the value of you not being at your restaurant, As, well, engaging that, with people that are your actual patrons. Exactly. Well, I mean, the man of man hours that we spent setting it up, doing it, doing B-roll, you know, all, all the emails and everything. It takes so long. Yeah. It, and I'm not complaining. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously been good for us, but, um, you know, and it goes back to this. Now I'm a validated chef because I've been on the Food Network, right. you know, so there, well, there's, there's intangibles. Evergreen value, too, in that because people now will just put on they can put it on Netflix or wherever and it'll just roll through and and every, you know, every now and then you pop up and you're there and you're, you know, so there's gotta be, I don't, it's an intrinsic value. I don't know what it is, but there's guess for sure has to be some of that. Well, and we know when certain shows air because we get requests for all those dishes. Yeah. 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 So, um, for the, before plate and pour on PBS, there used to be something called check please. Yeah. And it was the single biggest thing that we did for our restaurant that generated the most, tangible income and we could tell when it re-aired by the clientele and by the requests for the certain dishes that were on there are you a festival guy do you guys go out and and we do do. yeah Yeah. like it don't like it um i really don't want to sound old and bitter about this stuff right now you know like i really want to sound positive and that this is yeah but the sigh you took before you just said that told us everything we needed to know but why don't you tell us so So I love Devoured. It's a great event. Um, You know, that's where I believe, quote unquote, the most talent is. As far as um, when I say talent, I mean peers of of restaurants in our town that have like values, um, you know, local independent uh, quality before, you know, crap, that kind of stuff. Um, But but again, uh, at the end of the day, it's about how do we best use our time? How do we promote our business the best? And how do we how do we kiss babies and, you know, and, and, and say hello to people that, that, um, are really interested in what we're doing as a business. Yeah. And I don't know what that is anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to do a, a three minute TV spot, um, on the news. And by the time I got back to the restaurant, our hostesses were in cold sweats because they couldn't answer the phone. Now I do that. I'm not sure I get one table from it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just different. Like, I couldn't tell you what time the news is on, you know, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's on your phone all the time. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. crazy. And I think, you know, but I, you should be, sorry, you should be okay. challenged as a business owner to adapt and move on and do what you need to do for today. Not for then. Well, I think too, it helps. I, I think that it has to help again, intrinsic value, whatever it is, it has to help you to understand what's worth your time marketing wise and to, to see what channels are out there that, that player don't, I mean, we, you know, I work in, in my day job, we have so many clients that will come and they'll want to do all this messaging in all these places. And we have to, you know, we're there to say, well, that's not really going to work for you. I mean, I think we're in the age of kind of the Instagram influencer, but we're not going to get any traffic to the show from Instagram. It's just podcasts are not, people don't go to Instagram for a podcast. I mean, there's not a whole lot of sexy content that we can create just sitting here. And I think we have to find other creative ways 
to peek people's ears and, and bring them in. And because that, if it's not going to be my face on Instagram, <laughs> that's going to bring the people. So, well, but, but you know, I mean, it's, it's a well, creative... maybe there's Abe's in there too. Yeah. What well, Abe's face yeah. possibly Abe is yeah. a rock star. We got a chance there. Yeah. But I think it's interesting just to, to think about those things. But in, you know, you talked about, um, with, you know, coronavirus is very relevant in the, you know, the last month, even in just the last several days, we've made a drastic shift. I, I want to lighten it up a little bit and say, how disappointed are you that there's no racing to watch in Melbourne this weekend? Cause I'm devastated. What we're talking about is formula one. He's a lover of F1. I obviously am motorsports is half my life. And I, when I got the news yesterday, the race was canceled. I was super bummed. So I want to, I want to put a full disclaimer out there and let's just get over the fact that you feel like a total shit bag, like complaining about like sports, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When people are going to get sick or what whatever. What the fuck but is everybody watching? I'm just wondering. Uh, what, I have not uh, turned there, on ESPN. What's is there on ESPN anything right on TV? Just, uh, they're, they're talking about, they're basically ESPN because this is all I had on last night and it just, it's the same role over and yeah. over every 45 minutes. And they're just talking about everything that's been canceled. And now they're talking about what are the players doing? Right. Yeah. Um, and so they're just, you can tell that they're trying to make time. Last night they had high school basketball. I shit you not. Wait, so they're letting high school basketball play? Some in Nebraska. Nebraska came out yesterday and announced we're not canceling. We're we're doing players and family only. We're not, but we're uh, they're yeah. holding their they're holding their tournaments. Let's go. And so Nebraska, <laughs> ba- Nebra- Nebraska high Nebraska school high basketball, school basketball you baby. You can't go. Yeah. You don't have family there. Are we betting? Uh, the people that like oh. make a lot of money sports betting, like, yeah. what are they doing? Yeah, are they betting on high school basketball right now? I don't know. Oh God. But I, I'm disappointed because I, you know, it's racing season. We're right in the middle of it. A lot of it got canceled this weekend. Yeah. But I've been super stoked about um, the F1 season. Yeah. And. And it's, I, don't, I was hoping they were going to do it. I mean, obviously, I want people to be healthy, and we're making light of it right now. But when they canceled, I was like, damn, because Melbourne's a fun one. So last year, about this time, maybe 13, 14 months ago, uh, Netflix came out with Drive to Survive yep. Season 1. And I was looking for things to watch. And uh, a lot of times when I get home from work, I'm looking for something that's not going to stimulate me and not going to go crazy, but I'm alone in the house at midnight or, or everyone's asleep and I'm, yeah. and I'm there and I need, I need some entertainment. Yep. Decompress. So I Netflix and, um, and I like racing and I think things are interesting and I'm like, Oh, F1, you know, why don't I, why don't I watch F1? Why don't I like F1? Why am not I not competitive. more? <laughs> well, so I watched that, you know, six episode thing and I was like, Holy shit balls. This is amazing like drama yeah. and the characters and you know that that European and 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 just the just the you know Vettel talking smack and you know just yeah. like it was is unbelievable and I'm like oh my god I think I I'm in love with F1 yeah. after after like four episodes or whatever. So ironically enough like 2 days later it showed up on my DVR and I'm like I'm recording everything and I watched every practice, every race. Yeah. Um you know, got the app and watched all the people talking smack about each other and the little videos um, to the point where I'm now on YouTube and there's this one guy who explains F1 and everything about F1 and yeah. gear ratios and tire wear and camber adjustments. This is a $100,000 gearbox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they're, you know, their budget's $180 million and that's the guy in last place. So, like, I mean, yeah, I'm Mercedes like... Mercedes this year for their, for their full season for both their cars, they'll spend $500 million. Mercedes Ferrari will spend about that much. And then you're right. The bottom tier teams, they'll spend, they're probably up to 200 now just to run last place. 
but but and then so I watch every single thing and submerge myself and I'm like this I mean I'm getting up at like three, four o'clock in the morning to watch these races. To watch yeah. a race in China. <laughs> to, you know, to watch a practice. Yeah. You yeah. know? And and my wife thinks I'm crazy, but it is unbelievable. And I was so into it this off season and just following along and studying and doing as much as I can and you know, with the new racetracks coming out, I'm mean, so excited for Holland and Vietnam, and yeah, and then yeah, it just got canceled. But did you, um, did, have you watched the new season of Drive Just Fry? Oh yeah, of course. The Oof. minute it came out, I was I I <laughs> I, but I stayed up all night. I, but I, you know what I, loved, I mean? <laughs> I loved about that was it it showed so many of the stories that were not the leaders yep. of last season, which is what I all think TV that's shows. what makes it so great. Yeah, is that they highlight it gives those guys that don't get, you know, that aren't Lewis Hamilton or Vettel or Leclerc that that are not, you know getting all that TV time. Mm-hmm. And I think it highlights for people because the thing about F1 that, you know, the, the pro and the con, the pro about it is it's really the only racing series that's left out there that is just a full money grab. You could bring a gazillion dollars and there's mm. no cap space. Till next there's year. no nothing. Until next year. You're right. But that's also a con because it's super hard. There's only three teams that are probably going to win each weekend or that could get a podium realistically. And but some of the best races last year were like Brazil when, when yeah, yeah, it was mid pack. It was like yep. so cool. Yeah. And that's, I think that this series does okay. such a great job because it highlights these, these guys that are just putting in everything to finish 10th. Like right. they know they get to the track or 18th or 19th every week. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I think it's great. And I love that. I think it highlights it's, we've seen in the sports car series, uh, a spurn in interest and it's bringing fans back to the track. I think, this is a silly word, but I think we're kind of in this renaissance where motorsports is. <laughs> we went down, we took a dive, and now we're we're kind of coming back up. At the Rolex Twenty Four this year, we saw more people than we've ever seen. The Daytona Five Hundred was sold out, and I think that it's I, I love it, you know, selfishly because I I grew up around motorsports and I've been in it. Um, so it's always cool when I when I find a fan. Who's your Who's your driver? So this is what I've been told as a, as a new F one um, viewer. I I need to pick a team and a driver, and I'm having a really hard time. I told myself I wasn't going to root for anybody last year. I just wanted to see it yeah. and see how it all goes. And I, I, I don't care for Max Verstappen as a as a, what comes out of his mouth, but I like I like his car and I like he the way he drives. Man. He's what? He's an ice man. Ice man. There, that's a when great he, idea. Yeah. When he when he learns how to control and how to like control his he's very like he's got these out actually i guess technically he's maybe more like maverick maverick yeah because he's got these outbursts he drives kind of erratically super aggressive insanely do you get the reference iceman and maverick yeah top gun are you why are you honestly you've never seen you fall asleep just now no i i've seen (laughs) goose come on okay Okay. come on i like goose i just i i just feel like i should have put on um yeah, like yeah. My yeah. Daisy Dukes, and I should be just yeah. waving a checkered flag you, right you now. Want a driving suit? Do, you yes, that, yeah. I should have put on I'm the damn to get driving her. She's suit. We talking about go karts yesterday, and I was telling her that we, uh, any any from my level of pro am all the way up to pro, a go kart will always be the hardest thing to race well because they're so equal and they're like a perfect square. Yeah. So if you want to, I mean, a lot. I still practice. I go race go karts up in Peoria um, because the practice is so good. And she's like, I've never done go-karts so now i'm trying to get her to go to octane with me but the, the thing that pissed me off about that like you're like oh i just did a good lap and some dude is lapping you like four times in, in 17 laps i'm like just because yeah. he knows the race line and how to press the freaking pedal well like, the come thing on. the thing that i realized uh, even as an a, a, a decently accomplished driver there are kids that go over there that are like 12 that go every day after school like right, that's kind of right. there and they they're turning 
that's what pisses you off when you walk in when there. When you're good and they and beat you're you. good and it's like a 12 year old kid and he's like, because a he's a hundred pounds lighter. He he's there every day, knows yeah. the course, but it's still well, it's the next still fun. the next generation is going to beat us at everything. Yeah, oh, 100 percent. You're welcome. Know. Yeah, that's as, a, like, as they should. That's a part yeah. two conversation. How did so, you feel? Go ahead. I was going to say, so I haven't I haven't said Red Bull and I haven't said Max Verstappen. I mean, Albon's so exciting to watch. You know what he's, he's going to do. He's got a great do. story too, though. Um, yeah, and and and. And I don't know. Everyone's on Renault and Racing Point this year. I I don't know. I guess I think I need one more year. I want to figure I, it out. I want the Haas boys to do good. It's just because, yeah. but I I think it's going to be hard for them. Um, I I'm interested to see how next year goes. I I want Ricardo to be good. I yeah. I want I want more competitive teams. I, I love that McLaren had a really good year last year. And I love uh, me some orange cars. It's That's a good looking cool, car, man. It's a good looking car. How sorry. <laughs> I could talk about this forever. Sorry. So the only thing I need is the suit. Just yeah. give yeah. me the driving There's suit, and then I can, and then right I feel there. like I could participate here. So, and I know that F one is very different from NASCAR, um, yeah. mostly because the steering wheel goes in more than one direction. But um, uh, the the one experience I had with NASCAR was here at PIR. Yeah. And uh, I had a buddy who worked for Directv. Yeah. And he's like, "Hey, I've got these passes. Do you and the boys want to go?" And and it was me and my my homies, and and we went and. Um, we got out there and, you know, it's just a lanyard and hanging. Yep. I didn't know what, I didn't know where, what, how, anyway. So we get in there and we go to the grandstands and they're like, oh yeah, come on through. And, you know, we get there and we go over there to that VIP area and, oh yeah, come on through and get, go underneath the track. They're like, oh yeah, come on and through. Feeling. And, you know, we're before the race. So we're like, maybe they just let you like tour through, you yeah. know, whatever. And we get down to the, the trailers and the pit area. Oh yeah, come on through. And, and we get up to... Like we're standing next to the tires. You're like in the garage by the car. Yeah. Our own pit road. Yeah. 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 And and they're like, Yeah, you're good here. Just uh, you know, when we come back here, just stay out of the way. Yeah. You know, don't And also no drinks on pit road. Mm. When the when I'm the out national, then. forget it. When the national <laughs> anthem started, I was within two, three feet of Jeff Gordon. Yeah. And and I was like, Well, this is pretty cool. Like, yeah. if, if every race was like this, I could totally do this. See, Jeff Gordon, I know who Jeff Gordon is. I'll yeah. tell you what's even But does he even race anymore? I don't even know. No, is he's that, retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's out. Um, but, and Danica Patrick, obviously. She's yeah. way out. She's um, gone. <laughs> a sports car, if you've never been to any sports car, it's even better than that because the whole weekend you can get in the garage. I mean, the axe, I think that's what we do good in sport. We do really well in sports cars. The, what's a sports car? It's so it's like the prototypes. It's the Porsches, the Ferraris. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's all, and and it's the it, gentleman race. There's a bunch of different classes. Well, there's the guys like me that are gentlemen, and then there's the full pros. We all race together in right. different classes, and so you get to see. Um, I just think the access is so good. It's such a good fan experience. It's cheaper than NASCAR. Yeah. Um, but I love it. While we're on the topic of sports, real quick, how disappointed were you? of your football outcome this year. <laughs> so what I'm talking about for the folks is we've got a major 49ers fan here. Oh, hate to see it. Yeah. I hate to see it. Hate to see it. But what, I mean, are you talking smack over there from Boston? Is that what's happening? Hey, hey, do you think Jimmy G's going back? Do you think they're doing a swap No, that would be the stupid. I'm sorry. I'll well, you know what? Chef Beckett, why don't you tell us how you feel about this? How do you feel about Tom? Is Tom like you're, you're like your Jesus or what? Yeah. Tom, no, I'm sorry. Not my Jesus. Tom yeah. is Jesus. She's replaced Jesus. Cla- there is a clarification. Yeah. I mean, you. There's a lot of dudes I know that would replace Giselle. I mean, he <laughs> is God himself uh, yeah. in the New England area. So I'm a. I'm actually probably more of a fan of Bill Belichick. Believe it or not. 
I am like, well, the greater I question is, his, at this point, like in Bill, we trust ride or die. At this point in his career, would you trade him right now for Jimmy G? So I, uh, my family, and I, I watch every Niner game um, that's out there, and I, I will tell you, I, I mean, I, I grew up in the Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana area. I mean, yeah. I, okay. I lived there. We went to games. Like, you know, we waited in line at the ticket box, you know, not like this online crap. Anyway, um, <laughs> which I actually, it's, it's not crap. It's good. Um, He's like, put your time in, wait at the ticket box. Right. This yeah. is how you do Trade it. Trade out with your uncle and make yeah. sure you bring a sandwich. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was a, I was very critical of Jimmy G this year in the sense that um, I love his attitude. I love the way he leads the team and I love what, the team says about him. Like, I think they're more so than anything. This team this year was so fun to watch because they were a crew yeah. and they didn't have a bunch of egos and, yeah. you know, Bosa just being young and all that. Anyway, so much fun, but Kittle, what, I love George Kittle. Kittle yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, no, they were a good team. They were a respectable, solid team to have. And, and, and Kyle being a leader and John, I mean, I think, I think it's the right, package it's a cohesive energy it's good and, and our team has not been that for a while with the harbaugh and the yeah. you know yeah. kaepernick and all that i think sherm has helped bring some leadership yeah there. Yeah, yeah. yeah but uh the thing that i'm most critical about jimmy g is i feel like in in crossing patterns especially in the middle of the field he is not accurate which yeah. um i don't know if that's because maybe he's a little shorter and he's having a hard time seeing over people or he's not leading people maybe his team's faster than he thinks i don't know but i feel like he's constantly throwing the ball behind his receivers and yeah. that scares the shit out of me you know what? And if, I yell at the TV about it, and I'm that's my and number one. I haven't one. gotten an answer back. You know what I would do? And so and, no, I don't think I would trade. But if they were the same age, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe, but I don't need a rental, and I don't need Kirk Cousins. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what I would do to that point if, if I were Jimmy G, if I were Jimmy G, and, I, and and that was <laughs> if that was the issue, then I'd call Drew Brees and I'd say, "Hey, man, can I come work out. out with you?" I mean. Drew Brees is super. Drew Brees short. is or, or Russ. Drew Brees if, is a phenomenal. I don't quarterback. know if Russ would would train or with Steve you. or yeah. Joe. I mean, he's got resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think there's. I don't think the, the guy has played eighteen games in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. And four of those have been postseason, or three of them have been postseason. Yeah. So, I mean, and that the, I think that would have been my point is for as green as he is, I right. think he's doing a great job. Yeah, for sure. The, I how think many he's other doing a phenomenal job. Well, Lamar, but anyway. The, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't the, yeah. his only downfall that was that he was playing Mahomes, yeah. you know, like other than that, they would be, I think well, any I other team, they win I that don't game. think Jimmy, like, I mean, yeah, he led Emmanuel a couple feet too far, but like yeah. that was, that would have been a, I mean, it's a Hail Mary. I'm telling you, know? you yeah. if seeing over the O-line is your issue or, or hands in your face, it, I, I don't I, know I, that. I'm but. calling. Yeah. But if it is, I'm calling Drew Brees. I'm saying, Hey man, can I go, can I come yeah. work out yeah. with you? Cause, Cause he's think, not tall either. No, Drew Brees is super short. Speaking from a five eight guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I loved it, and I don't I don't think that Jimmy necessarily lost the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you know all the stats about the biggest you know comebacks and all that. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I I do not. I will always love the Niners and watch the Niners. I will always love my Bay Area sports teams. Like I'm I'm a Giants fan. I watch all 162 games. I listen to all spring training games. Um, and I tell my kids, as long as they're in the house, you know, I would appreciate if they would root for my teams <laughs> and, and be and be <laughs> a part house, of the joy. Yeah. If you like joy. to live here, uh yeah. but but I mean if they if they want to become, you know, Arizona fans or God forbid LA fans, like I mean oh, I'll I'll uh, I'll I mean I'll stand behind them. But right now, I mean they 
the thing I love about our teams winning is they get so excited about yeah. it. And like my son wore a Jersey every Monday to school, you know I mean? And I, and I, and you know, a couple of weeks when they lost, I'm like, you can't, you gotta, you still, you know, you gotta wear that Jersey on the days they lose guys, yeah. you know, like Guess this is not an yeah. option. No fair weather fans here. Nope. Yeah. What man, what kind of stuff you got any, any things coming up this spring? Any stuff you want people to know about any well, cool things that you're just interested in? You mean like in life or with the restaurants or yeah, yeah. Any anyway, I don't know. I mean, I I I love the spring in Arizona because the vegetables are are popping. You know, like we're just getting through asparagus season and stuff. And we getting Brussels back back. Yeah, Brussels uh, go <laughs> say uh, that a couple times fast. Brussels, Brussels go back. away in the summer. So okay. Um, you know they they're they're not exactly delicious. Then um, I'm not as anal about it. So it's prime. Off. It's what you're telling us is that it's prime Brussels sprout season. Well, yeah. I mean, tonight I uh, on my to do list today is to sear some Brussels sprouts and get them you know ready for the <laughs> veg plate. So it's it's let's there, fucking but, go. Um, I'm here for it. But you know, I I for me it, seasons here are not they're not the four seasons of yeah. the, the back East and all that, you know, I mean, Phoenix is summer and not summer. And, yeah. and, and the one surprise that I had when I started to be in charge of like changing menus in Arizona was, um, it's not the filet or the steak or the, the piece of fish that changes the menu. It's the vegetables and the availability. And, um, you know, I can get you anything any time of the year that you want, but if you want to respect what your body's looking for, and you know what the farmer has and what's what's grown in an approximation of your restaurant then you know you try to you try to follow that so i think it's really interesting i mean you know when are we the most sick in the winter when is vitamin c when is citrus available it's in the winter i mean like the great spirit god whatever you want to call it like it it knows and it makes food for our bodies when we need it you know checks out yeah. I, it checks I like out. Checks out. <laughs> that's, those are fact. That's a fact check right I like there. He, they do. They it makes do, sense. They do jazz on the patio. Yeah, which I love. Jazz, and jazz on the patio. My, my, well, my uncle is a. I'm actually is a jazz guitarist, so I pissed. We haven't. I mean, I'm, I'm like, why haven't we? Well, we'll have here? to do both because we, we got brunch season. We got brunch season coming up uh, at Southern Rail. We got the Mother's Day and the Easter's and all that kind of stuff. We yeah. got. Um, you know, we do the Jazz and Jambalaya's limited series for a couple months. Um, jazz and Jambalaya. Yeah, Jambalaya is ridiculously good with andouille sausage and shrimp and smoked chicken. And um, I'm actually filming for a TV show uh, called Plate and Pour, which will air at the end of May. Um, that's fun. And then Beckett's Table, you know, we do th pastas every Thursday night. So I make fresh pasta. Fresh pasta is like your your grilled cheese issue on a menu is my fresh pasta, pasta? On menu. like every time i see fresh pasta i order fresh pasta um so we do that and i just play with whatever i mean whether i make lasagna or whether i make fettuccine or i just make fresh pasta and whatever comes out and it's delicious At how often point, do you change your menu all the time i mean yeah, it's i it's, love restaurants like that that change i mean we can't change the big sellers you this, and we, yeah you yeah. have your staples yeah but, but uh, you you rotate Sometimes it's like, I am sick of looking at that and I yeah. change it. And sometimes I'm like, I just had this at the market and mm -hmm. it was unbelievable. We got to get a way to figure out a dish to put on the menu. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, you know, seven of the 10 or 15 dishes will just get overhauled. And it's, yeah. it's mostly driven by vegetables and produce and what's available. I, um, my goal was to, I want to do a live show. Uh, at Beckett's Table? That's maybe Southern Rail. Southern Rail. What do you mean a live show? Like, tell me about that. I'd love to get some guests and come and, and chat with people and, I think I think it'd be a great experience for people to engage with some patrons, 
you know, I, I don't think it's so much different than music. I think that some of the live shows I've seen, podcasts, people get super involved and you let people ask questions and you talk about topics and it's, I don't know, that's just like a brain. brain Guess what I'm eating? Yeah. That kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, see, we're, we're <laughs> we, very clear about because we've had food people on the yeah. show. Um, we've and we've been very, yeah, very yeah. clear about yeah, yeah. not eating yeah. into the microphone yeah. because like people don't like moist. People don't want to listen to you eat. Yeah. It's they go hand in hand. My kids are the loudest eaters. Oh, I want to. Yeah, no. Yeah. But I think it turns into kind of like a really entertaining conversation because people can still hear you. People can ask questions. You can talk of you can get people in from around. I don't know. I just think it's a fun con. We've been exploring the live show concept, and I think it's. I think there's a lot of cool stuff to be well, done there. Our patio at Southern Rail is killer for that. Yeah. For for. Just I'm hands, a sucker so. for a patio. I Call me a basic <laughs> bitch, but God, I love a good patio. <laughs> it's a great place to do it. Well, man, I I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come and chat with us. I I'm a super. I'm a big fan of you, and I, I will be. I didn't find out about about you from food network i just came into the restaurant and i fucking love the food i think that i think this neighborhood is great where you've put the restaurants uh, i think there's a lot happening there's a lot of stuff that's kind of moving over to this neighborhood um i enjoy i thoroughly enjoy both restaurants for the atmosphere that they give me either place and it it was a it was a really big win for me for to get you to come hang with us because i've just i've been a fan for way before this was even a thing um, and, and I know how busy the schedules are in your industry and, and I'm, I'm thankful for you coming, man. I'm glad we were able to have you. I'm happy to be here. It kind of flew by, huh? Yeah, it is I'm quick. pumped. I have things to do this week. I'm going to Beckett's table in Southern <laughs> rail. I have plans. Don't call me. I also want to, you got a phone interview. Uh, yeah, I got a phone first. screen, some people to come, I but wanna, I got plans. I, I want to give him some kudos and, and put a shout out to your wife because when we first chatted, he says she's been pushing me to do more stuff like this. And, and so I, I'm a, pr- whatever that push was, Behind her. behind every great man is I'm a, a, I'm well, appreciative for, her woman. for for suggest for doing that. And that's a saying, but yeah. um you know I What's call your I, it wasn't a saying, for me it was the truth, but Well yeah. no, I'm saying like I, I that that is something that people say, but what I was gonna say is that um my wife was married into this profession. You know, she's a school teacher by trade and mm-hmm. um the 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 way that she's adapted and become extremely successful in not only supporting the restaurants, but supporting me and in, in the way that it, it all goes is pretty stupid, crazy. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody's like, Oh, you're married to a chef. You're so lucky. And, and you know, you get all this, you know, unbelievable food. And she's like, Justin hasn't cooked me a meal in like five yeah. years. That's you know? a tough schedule too, to keep. It sucks. And kids and yeah. you yeah. Know, the whole thing. But, but, um, she, she, definitely 100%. I'm a better chef, a better person in the restaurant because of, you know, the support and and the love that she shows for not only the projects but for you know me and yeah. keeping my life straight so it's it speaks to your passion and her love for you i think so it's great congratulations that you've, had, on you've that. been able to have the success and also you know have a really strong family because i think sometimes in any industry that's it's a tough balance well it's her birthday today too yeah. so i want to say happy Woo. birthday to hey happy, happy birthday. birthday to michelle yeah yeah well dude thanks for coming uh, of course i hope we've made a friend of the show i appreciate you being here yeah um and we'll talk soon sounds good you owe her a meal. Thank you.